0: Today is uh, Christ the King Sunday. I'm sure most of you don't keep up with the church calendar, but uh, it's the last Sunday of the year in the church calendar, called the liturgical calendar. Uh, Next week is the start of Advent, and that's actually the beginning uh, of the church calendar year. That's why we did all these uh, Advent prep event things. We're ready uh, for the new year that starts next week, uh, and beautiful work that all the women did. So Advent means waiting. So when you begin a new year uh, in the Christian calendar, we begin with a season of waiting uh, for what God will reveal. The end of the year ends with Christ reigning as king. And that's why we call it Christ the King Sunday. We rejoice at the fact that Christ has come and reigns as king. And today's story, the passage, it talks about what it will be like when Christ reigns as king. It it gives us a beautiful picture of what it's like when Christ reigns. It's a story about this kingdom and who gets invited. This is Jesus. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. People are invited. And those invited into this kingdom are those who have lived with compassion. Those who have fed the hungry, clothed the naked, taken care of the sick, welcomed the stranger. And what's interesting is, these people, they didn't even realize that they were doing these things. Their main question is, when was it? When was it that we fed you or clothed you? In other words, being compassionate people, it's just who they were. It wasn't anything they had to think about. They just were. The kingdom that we rejoice in is a compassionate kingdom. It's a kingdom or reign where compassion is a way of life. No one is left alone. No one gets left behind. Everyone is taken care of. It's a beautiful image of what the kingdom of God is like when Christ reigns. We all want to live in this kind of world. We all agree that compassion is good. There's no one who would say they don't want to live in this kind of world. But we know that the everyday life that we live and experience often seems very different to this beautiful picture that is painted. I experience this daily too. Often to get home when I'm driving home, I have to turn left on... Eglinton onto Martin Grove. And for a lot of you who know this intersection, it's a very busy intersection, right? You got cars coming from the 401, cars coming from the 427, cars coming from Eglinton Avenue, and they're all trying to squeeze into this one left-turn lane, right? I mean, at all hours of the day, it is busy. And sometimes you can't even get into the left-turn lane when there's a lot of traffic. So it's a fight. It's a battle to get in. And even when you're in, because there's so many cars, there's other cars, you know, they try to squeeze in. And uh, Deb's not here today. When she's beside me, she gets so irate, right? We're like the weasels, man. We try to squeeze in. And so while I'm in there, the whole time, my mission is to get into that lane and make that left-turn. For those, you know, there's an advanced green light, right? So cars will be standing there. Once that light turns green, the race is on, right? You're trying to get there. And, and if a car's going slow, there's, hurry up, right? And then even after the, the light turns yellow and then disappears, you always see those two, three extra cars, right? It's, it's on, you know, trying to get it there. Things, when I'm there in the evening at that intersection, you know, there's an island uh, beside the left turn lane. And often, there's someone standing on that island, and they're asking for money. Right? I think they have a sign, and they're walking back and forth. Uh, the thing is, I, I don't carry any cash with me. I should learn by now, but I still, I don't have cash. And so every time this happens, I either kind of look with an apologetic look, no cash, no cash, you know? like. Or sometimes I just, I I don't even look because I kind of feel guilty and bad, right?
1: Especially when my kids
0: are with me and Junie will always say, I wish we had some money to give. (laughs) I feel really bad, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, we have have no cash, you know? So I feel bad. But that lasts just a moment. Because once the arrow comes back on, the race is back on, right? I'm trying to get to my destination, and once I turn left, the intersection is in the rearview mirror and then it disappears. And same with that person that I felt bad for a moment. That person disappears. I think this experience at the intersection depicts so much of our life today. Right? We're so busy going to our next Destination. We're so busy fighting to just get in and stay in our lane. We're so busy. And we don't see a person in need. To be honest, I don't remember what this person looks like. In fact, I, think, I don't think it's the same person all the time. So I don't even know. I don't know this person's name. I don't know this person's story. I don't know what turn of events in life led them to be there that day. So in reality, it's as if that person never existed. I I saw that person, but I didn't really see that person. In the story of the Good Samaritan, you know, a man was beaten and robbed and and left half-dead on the road. A priest came by and just passed on by. A Levite then came, kind of looked at him, but then passed on by. I mean, these two guys, they, they knew the Jewish law very well. They knew that according to the law, if there's a stranger in need, you should help them. So it wasn't ignorance. And so there are many theories on why they passed them by. I wonder if it's because they were just too busy. They had very important religious duties to attend to, so they had to keep going. For us to get to our destination, we can't see everything. We need to, in fact, not see many things in order to get to where we need to go. And especially those who are in need. Because they get in the way. They slow us down. And really, as a a human being, there's something about human beings. If you actually come face to face with someone who's in need and suffering... It's hard. We, we're wired. We can't just turn away. Right? It, it hits your conscience. So then the only way to block them out is to become indifferent, to feel nothing toward them, and to allow our indifference to make them invisible. Uh, The playwright, George Bernard Shaw, he said this, The worst sin towards our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. That's the essence of inhumanity. Our indifference is the essence of inhumanity. Our indifference tells them that They don't exist. The worst sin is to essentially erase their existence. And our indifference says that their existence doesn't matter. But I think indifference, it not only affects those who are ignored. It also affects the ones who ignore indifference, it robs us of our humanity. To be human is to be a connected creature. I can only exist when you do. So Reverend Kim often quotes the African proverb, I am because you are. Connection, I mean, we all know. Connection is what gives life its joy, its taste, and its flavor. Indifference takes away any possibility of connection. Indifference robs us of the joy that comes from connecting with others. And we all have good lives where we appreciate the connection we have with people closest to us, like our families and our friends, and we give thanksgiving for that all the time. In the U.S., they're celebrating uh, this U.S. Thanksgiving with family and friends. But I I know that often some of the greatest uh, discoveries and joys comes when you connect with someone you don't really know. That's the beauty of a community like a church. We don't all know each other that well, but when you connect, there is something beautiful and amazing. That is a gift that God has given to us as human beings to be, live, be able to connect with a stranger that is beyond just my immediate circle. But in our modern life, we are so busy going from place one place to another. We don't really see each other. The needs and suffering of others remain invisible because of our indifference. So what indifference does is it dehumanizes us. It takes away that very thing that makes us human, which is our capacity to care and connect with a fellow human being. So without realizing it, living every day like we do at that intersection, we live through a dehumanized experience. I mean, how can we retain our humanity in this dehumanizing world? That's the question for all of us living in this modern, urban, busy Contemporary life. I mean, there's so many people. What do we do? Today's story and passage, it's most famously associated with uh, Mother Teresa. Um, This image of her. She lived from, I think, around 1910 to uh, 1991 or around then. For those of you who remember her, Mother Teresa, she lived out this passage literally she fed the hungry she clothed the naked she cared for the sick she chose to live among the poorest of the poor she served those whom everyone else had abandoned and discarded she lived that out so through her the life she lived she inspired millions of people around the world because we all agree compassion is good And so seeing someone do that, it it makes us feel good. It inspires us. After she died, her uh, private letters were published. And these private letters revealed a side of her that no one had really known. They revealed a person who had uh, many doubts. She went through so much darkness. She even questioned uh, her belief in God. I mean, deep struggles of faith. She felt such a, a... Absence of God. There were times she just felt nothing in her. She went through so much times of darkness and she shared all this with the the priest that she would bear her soul to. She struggled. But yet, her work of serving the poor never stopped that whole time. That's why no one knew she was going through all this. She was consistent and faithful in her work right to the end of her life. What was it that kept her going through such darkness? Despite all these doubts and struggles, what she did was keep this simple spiritual discipline. She saw the face of Jesus in every single person she encountered. She saw the face of Jesus in every person she encountered. That was what kept her going. In each person, she saw the divine image of God. And especially among the poorest of the poor, the naked, the hungry, she saw the divine image of God. Each person containing a trace of God's wonderful hand. Not all of us can give up everything to serve the poor. Not all of us, and most of us, cannot escape this busy life that we live every day. But all of us can learn to see the face of God in each other. That, I believe, is the secret of resisting the indifference and numbness that our busyness inflicts upon us. See the face of God in others. I mean, in church, we come to church and we worship our God we praise God. It's such beautiful songs and music. We give our respect and honor and all our reverence to God. We express our love and gratitude and appreciation. It is beautiful to do that, to come together and do that. But see the presence of that same God in each person, that you encounter it will change how you see people just like we do to god you will want to honor and respect and give dignity to each person that you come across you will begin to see less of their flaws and more of their god-given beauty It will change your attitude toward them. Somehow you will become more gracious, more forgiving, more compassionate. See the face of God in others and it will change you. It will make previously invisible people more visible to you especially the least among us. You will see people whom the world ignores and considers unimportant. You will see them as important because you see God in them. You will be moved to compassion, to suffer with them. Your eyes and your heart will be awakened. See the face of God in others, and it will awaken your spirit to the presence of God. Right? If you see the face of God in others, then God is everywhere. Every encounter you have is an opening and a possibility for God to reveal something new to you. Isn't that amazing? God is no longer some abstract being out there. God is Everywhere around you, if you can see the face of God in others. And with every encounter, it will do something for you, to you. Maybe you will be prompted to act. Maybe some sort of new calling or direction will be revealed to you. You will be more connected with others, more connected with God more connected with life itself. Seeing the face of God is the antidote for this dehumanizing world we live in. It is the way to awaken compassion in our hearts, and it's the way to keep our hearts alive in this busy, competitive world that we live in. So every day, your prayer should be, God, today, help me to see your face in each person I encounter. Every day, that should be our prayer. In every encounter, then you will see God. As I said, in the beginning of the year, we start with waiting. And so the prayer in the beginning is Your kingdom come, may your will be done. It's a prayer of longing. But on the last Sunday of the year, on Christ the King Sunday, we rejoice that this kingdom has come. Jesus said this, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. When we see the face of God in each other, the kingdom of God is among us. The reign of compassion has come. This is how we need to live each and every day. Right now, I invite you all. Turn to your neighbor, not your spouse or whatever, but turn to someone, you know, in a different row or whatnot. Look them in the face, okay? Do it right now. Look them in the face, and then you're gonna repeat after me. Okay? Say this, either brother or sister. In you is the image of God. I see God's face in you. May God bless you. (laughs) I know it's awkward, but do it. Go in the fellowship hall and do it. (laughs) Brother, I see the face of God in you. Okay? I mean, isn't that a wonderful way to live? See the face of God in each other. And then the kingdom of God is really there among you.